Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when he's not busy scouring the sewers for delicious neighborhood children, is Gavin. <laughs> and this the, this weirdo with me, who I forgot the tagline to it, who sinks <laughs> sinks with me is is is, is uh, scars guards all the way down float with um, me float we all yeah. float up in here Tommy the <laughs> famous line from it yeah. we all float up in here we, we all float on and we are here to as we uh, always are when we're not off format Delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter at the time of the start of the recording and discusses their oranges, their oranges, and discusses their oranges. <laughs> Fuck me. And discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. So a look behind the uh, the show's kimono is I have just I usually do not have like uh, three beers before the show starts. But my <laughs> kitchen, my kitchen is um, gone. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it, it would... It, and it's cause it's discombobulating me, and From so four beers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. The beers didn't cause the kitchen to disappear. Yeah. I what I mean what I mean is that everything is just super cattywampus up in the hesshold. Um, I have had a contractor come in and rip the kitchen out. All the way, not to the studs, including the studs, ripped out the joist. There is a there is a bare goblin hovel where my kitchen just once was, <laughs> with uh, exposed pipes and wires. It looks like a um, Russian accident, um, and so it just causes all sorts of. There's refrigerators in rooms where they're not supposed to be. You can't make any food. It's just very discom <laughs> discom. Discom stimulating, and I it just throws me off. So um, you know my normal uh, permutations are uh, all out of whack. So I don't know. I'm I'm goofy. I'm sloofy, and I'm ready to fight some geese. <laughs> so, but um, this is an episode that is not me. Where so uh, yeah, on, I, on, I got what, the monster. When it's a me episode, I bring in the part of the show that is a diversion into the unlikely areas areas of the English language that we like to call villainous vocabulary. I have brought altschmeres. Altschmeres uh, is Altschmeres. a uh, which is A L T S C H. M E R Z A L T S C H M E R Z, which is obviously Portuguese. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Altschmeres was claimed to mean uh, weariness 
with the same old issues you've always had, the same boring flaws and anxieties you've been gnawing on for years. It means, basically, boredom and low-grade frustration and ennui with having the same dumb fucking problems you've always had. Uh, it is a German word called Altschmerz. Um, which is, uh, I, you're, the, the dear readers are going to notice a theme with my words that I'm going to be bringing up. They're very, uh, they're very abstruse and they're very, I don't know, psychologically profound. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, I'm just, uh, I'm getting, this is, uh, you can see this at, uh, sites.psu.edu, the definition from Altschmerz. Which How did you spell of, that? A-L-T-S-C-H-M-E-R-Z. <laughs> you know, not the regular Schmerz, the Alt-Schmerz. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Alt-Schmerz, yeah. Weariness with the same old issues you've are always it's had. It's the, the Schmerz with the, Schmerz with the side haircuts and the yeah, weird not Facebook just groups. Not just had before, but... The same old issues you fucking always had. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's kind of a very um, very specific and poignant world pain. <laughs> the pain of all the things, except for you only in your specific special way. Well, that's a hell of a word. I'm gonna have to use it like all the time. I just got the Ultramires. <laughs> So we will get out of villainous vocabulary by putting the candle back and moving <laughs> on to uh, Gavin and whatever his mysterious topic is. How are we going to get into this topic, Gavin? Well, I backed my car into a police car the other day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are going to imagine, if you will, mm -hmm. that um, you... And all of the readers, both of them, are a... <laughs> that's a joke. Are a... You're a half-elf um, paladin. Who cares? Sure. But the thing about your thing is all of the awesome armor and big-ass sword that you towed around. Okay. Um, with armor, you is sword. a halfling yep. cleric, because uh, Jagro rolled it up. And okay, Borf with with <laughs> Borf the cleric, with Dorf the cleric is um, Shazbot the fighter, which uh -huh. is which gets a plus three reach and eighteen luck points and that's a lot of reach. All kinds of game cheating homebrew nonsense. <laughs> okay, so it's like a normal game with us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm with you all together now. All right, venturing down the first corridor of the dungeon, um, you hear the clattering of what sounds like scrap being jumbled around. Um, you hear at first what you think might be hooting, whooping, maybe goblins, maybe okay. some type of uh, hobbear or another type of creature that you might run into in... Of course, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, setting. Uh-huh. Going further down the corridor, you 
So here that the noises aren't quite humanoid, they aren't quite creatureoid. <laughs> okay, uh, this is a, this is a horny mystery. I or rather, I'm horny for this mystery. I really want to know what's behind um, hovel number six. Well, you pull your great sword in preparation. <laughs> yeah, I do. To turn the corner and assault whatever uh, malevolent malfeasious uh, malcontent is malevolence. There. Yes. Doing yeah, doing its um doing its scuttering. Ooh, so scuttering. whenever you turn the corner, all you can see is um a round uh lump. It looks kind of like an armadillo. A uh, long tail is sticking out with a fin. You strike at it with your great sword with okay. peak efficiency. You rolled a natural 20 and everything, but it doesn't matter because your sword crumbles to dust as soon as uh, it makes contact. Is it... I, uh, uh, professor, I want a chance to win. Is it a rust monster? It's the fucking rust monster. Nice! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So specifically, only the rust monster. This isn't, this isn't a group... This is no. just the Rust Monster? Okay. This well. is just the Rust Monster from old D&D. Okay. Well, that's very interesting, because I'm sure you understand why that I, I have to ask. You know what we need is a we little need a, a horn or like a bell or something for when we get things right? Because this show has more than one thing where we can get something right. Um, so we, we, I, I don't know why I told you that. That's, that seems like a dangerous <laughs> game to play, but you know what I mean? We need like a ding, ding, or, you know, like you, you got it right. Or, you know, you got it wrong because, um, we have more than one instance where that's possible, but I'm sure. And, uh, as you know, that the, the rust monster was batch. He was part of a little set of, of three little, little weirdy guys. Um, yeah. Or, uh, well, an even a larger batch, but three little weirdy guys that got into D&D. &D. Um, yeah. And I don't, uh, this is a case where I'm always going to say, let's not run to the end first. But, um, yeah, I, I actually have a line item in my my list of possible monsters, which is the the batch of those three monsters. I, would, I, I thought I would do them all at once, but this is good because it gives us a chance to do the three of them. Um, individually. So, yeah. Uh, the rust monster is one of the weirdest ones. Is it in 5e? So, um, yes. the rust monster is a, cl a, a classic Dungeons and Dragons monster. Totally. Uh, like about as classic as it gets because it goes all it's the way back to uh, right first there edition. With Hook Horror it's, it's, and... I, I think it's in. Yeah. Yeah. Is it in the. Because I, I have my. I have my um, fiend folio downstairs. Is it from the monster manual or is it from the fiend folio? I don't. Re I don't remember what it first shows up in. I think it's from the first red box set. Um, yeah. Man, the first picture is a weird. That first one e picture is a weird fucking picture, man. Um, yeah. Actually, you know what? All of them are. They're all weird pictures because it's like a. So if you're, I think we should maybe just do the readers a favor and try to just describe, if you just click through the, particularly the, all, all five editions of the monster manuals and other appearances of the, of, of this monster in du the Dungeons and Dragons books, 
It's kind I, of I like what, uh, the, the, what the rust monster looks like is a cross between a bombardier beetle and a chinchilla. <laughs> okay, I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna it's, disagree with you. A bombardier. Yeah, it's beetle. got the ent- It's got the antenna of a lunar of oh, a lunar moth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the yeah, okay. the kind of like hide of a bombardier beetle and the shape and yeah. mannerisms of a chinchilla. Yeah, the the bombardier it's, beetle yeah, is like the uh, Halloween Halloween colored guy that just like jizzes acid on your face from like like three feet away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's which sounds crazy, the, but you look at pictures of the bombardier beetle. beetle, and it's the one that like it really just like hoses its enemies down with an egregious gray spray of which of, yeah. of acid. So that it sounds like I'm really reaching for the for the. The dick in that in that instance, but I'd you look it up. You tell me it's not what's happening with the uh, bomb. It's kind of what's happening, yeah. Well, it's almost what the rust monster does too. Uh, but yeah, it's a. I will say that um, it is a, an extremely exoskeleton oriented monster. That we're, it's yeah. it's all exoskeleton, and in every instance, it's got these these um, very uh, insectoid. Uh, antenna on the front that are that are wildly large that are I'm sure used yeah. for different things in different contexts. That, but let's see how the, big yeah. how big is a antenna. rust monster? Is it? It's medium, so it'd be like a human being sized, big fucking devilish thing. Look at it, the rust monster. It's a it's a it's a weird. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's kind of a little crusty, little, depending on which version you're at, like a little crusty insect or a little rock armadillo, but like with yeah. a very unnatural insectoid, um, it, it's, it's got four limbs, which is interesting. They're kind of in the original yeah. 1E picture. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, kind of like a little dog bendy back limbs with, with weird shitty alien feet. But um, you know, I I know for a fact that this original depiction had a uh, a very specific origin that I can only assume that you're prepared to tell us about. Oh um, yeah, it it came in just uh this randomized uh, like generic Chinese monster set. Yeah. That that you got because like um. Near the end of the 70s, it was really awesome to buy tiny monsters and robots. Yeah. So China went ape shit with making, like, Gundam-looking robots and just any kind of weird little monster that they could. Yeah. And those were everywhere. The, I remember having, like, so many uh, Robotech and Dogram and... um crusher joe and uh everything that like battletech is made out of yeah like they there was a tiny little toy for which is why battletech was made because they had all those tiny toys <laughs> and um that's how D was made too because gygax had all those tiny little toys and a lot of them were like godzilla monsters and one of them was the rust monster which just looked like a ball of a bunch of smaller balls and like a little musk, it had a little muskrat face, and like 
almost human-like appendages that stuck out with really long toes <laughs> yeah. and a tail that ended in like a little bow tie looking thing. Yeah, it's and, very, it's a very like, um, doolappy, like what the fuck mo- monster. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's <laughs> looking at it, you really want to go like, how did you choose that? But then again, you know, a lot of D, a lot of particularly the old D and D monsters are like that. Um, yeah. but I, I think that the, the cart before the horse story of, um, you know, Gygax going into the, the five and dime or, or wherever he is where he got this little, um, you know, five pack of these monsters and you can find photos of them. I'll try to find one of it. It's exactly this pack that, um, yeah. included the inspiration for the, for the, the rust monster just has all these bizarre little, um, lazily painted, rando calrissian ass like monster beast things you know that yeah. that would have cost you know 19 cents in 1973 or whatever and that the world was just sick with these i mean the world is I mean, it's still sick with this you know you go you still go to yeah. discount stores and this phenomenon is totally there it's just whether or not you find it to be fuel for the way your imagination works right now you thanks to the internet you you it it seems like i think to children maybe that finding inspiration in you know a a discount toy maybe is not ideal but all you know also something i I know from working with kids is physical objects up to about i don't know 12 13 years old still have a magic that things that are in a digital space don't. Uh, so yeah. the idea of finding a weird bag of toys and being like, that's fucking nuts. I, I want to, I want to turn that into something is not, um, it's not something that we've lost. Luckily, it's just, you know, Gygax was obviously using his imagination and he had a hungry imagination that was looking for inspiration in the world. And when he saw it, he gobbled it up. Yeah, it's um, it might be a kaiju from Ultraman. Interesting. Um, yeah, the, the yeah. little plastic, the little plastic dudes do have a bit of a kaiju vibe, but without yeah. any. Th- uh, and without anything to without anything to scale them against, you can't really be sure whether they're yeah. kaiju or just <laughs> freaky little monsters. So, um, yeah. d- would you like me to talk about the other the other triad of the monsters that came out of this little batch, or do you, do you want to go at well, that? Is is it the hook horror and the bule You're 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 two out of three in your total set. It is the it is the bule. I've always said it, I've always said the it the bule as if it was franche, but yeah. um, I've heard people call it the bullet because it 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 it, sh- it fires through the earth. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it is the uh, the triad that comes out of this group are the rust monster, the bule, and the umber hulk. Uh, the, oh. the so the the bule is also early, very uh, famous D and D. The so the rust monster is a is a creepy little is a creepy little guy that it well let's let's get to that later but the the yeah. the um 
the boule is interesting because he's kind of like the pre uh, graboid of 1970s D and D. I can't believe we said no to free beer. It's kind of like a a, a yeah. um, awkward land shark that can move through Earth with its its total movement speed and just like run around and like gobble you up. Right. It's yeah. it is a it's a very it's it's a cool idea. But the whole the whole th- the whole point of what we're saying is that this batch of five monsters that Gygax brought, he said he, he took them into the studio and I'm going to have to figure out I'm gonna have to look up the story. He showed them to one of his collaborators and said, give me three monsters for the monsters manual or the Fiendifolio, whichever it was based off of these yeah and handed them over and then they became canonical monsters since the fucking 70s been, so they yeah. all three of them have been monsters that um I, maybe that none of them have ever left the game in any edition yeah. since the 19 the uh is still there the owl bear is still there the yeah. owl bear <laughs> owl bear the uh, yeah the rust monster is definitely still there I forget what the origin of the owlbear is. We may have to save that for the owlbear episode. Um, yeah, because if if if, if D and D's going to be an owlbear, yeah, if D and D is going <laughs> to get um, a series of episodes, it seems like owlbear is one that is deserving of one because it's um it's certainly not the most emblematic monster in D and D. You know, there's a top ten yeah. fight in terms of things that symb- You know, you've got the I, if anything, I think D and D is the goblin because D and D more than anything else turns the goblin into its preeminent symbol for monsteritude. But but yeah. maybe you know maybe that's a hum, maybe I'm being humanoidist. I don't know. Um, okay, you know I I see this picture of um uh, of a whole set just called prehistoric animals. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> prehistoric animals which is like and also yeah, that's a weird thing to name that that is the one yeah there's 14 of them and only really one of them would be a real prehistoric animal that's yeah. like the bird yeah <laughs> for sure i almost feel like i got that bird in another toy um oh yeah that bird i had like 60 of that bird and yeah. it came with almost everything and i hated that bird so looking at it the ones that are D monsters <laughs> the boule it's hard to tell it's the one that's kind of looks like a cross between a triangle and a dog in the middle right yeah that's definitely something from Ultraman. Yeah, and it does not look like a fucking boule. It looks like yeah. <laughs> um it looks like a, a banana got crossed with a Rottweiler. <laughs> like it it, yeah. <laughs> it it looks like a Jim Henson toy um I don't know got like shot through a pneumatic tube and came out pointy. It's it's very it's very awkward. Um, and then the one that's the Umber Hulk is the the one of the three yellow ones that's just to the right of that one, which is also looks like I don't know. It looks like somebody just waited two million years too long at the in the bank to and and came out like not knowing what to do with their like evolution. It it looks like yeah. it looks like a melted Sesame Street dinosaur or something. Looks, I don't. It's hard to describe, and let alone hard to extrapolate how that became the Umber Hulk, too. So, you're like, the yeah. fuck, you chose to turn yeah. that into something. Um, the Rust Monster. <laughs> it also, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it also seems like 
the Owlbear and the Buley and the Umber Hulk were like switched between each other at some early point. Yeah, there's certainly because oh. they resemble each other a lot. Oh, you know, no, you're you're right. I'm I'm trying to whitewash your history, and and I'm fucking it up. The one that I think the one that I'm referring to is saying being the Umber Hulk. That's actually the inspiration for the Owl Bear, and I'm fucking I'm yeah, fucking that's your shit. The Owl Bear. There's there was an Ultraman uh, an Ultraman kaiju called the Kemular that had kind of the tail of the of the Rust Monster. But the the rest of it really doesn't look like it. Okay. Well, the what I'm extrapolating is there is a the nasty one that actually is the is the Umber Hulk is the one on the far left that's the solid red that looks like kind of like a actually it kind of looks like a cross between like a Barney the dinosaur and a fucking John Carpenter's The Thing explosion, like the fa- like the yeah. face is dis- the face is making a new series of decisions as if it's got kind of it, yeah. it's got kind of a um like uh, Teletubby meets Cthulhu Mythos um, uncanny valley of very friendly versus exploding tentacle mass right and which kind of leads you to what the umber hulk is which is which is odd because the umber hulk tends uh, eventually goes in kind of a man versus insectoid um are you german uh like fifth element (laughs) awkward um lumbering thing and uh but Mandachiwan? Monda- yeah, the OG Mondachiwans. I always pre- presumed the that the Mondachiwan was secretly inside of that suit, so we never actually see yeah. the Mondachiwans, right? That's gotta yeah. be a, that's a space suit, the, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a There's space no way that suit. Is I always thought a Mondachiwan. the Mondachiwans were like some type either some type of algae Algae. Like weird liquid being. Yeah, this is what I, I'm this like, is just a head cannon thing. Just yeah. Yeah, just how Luke Basson thinks. Like, I, I guarantee you that the Munichiwan is like an just algae a, a, se- a like sentient a lava being. lamp that lives inside of a, a yeah, big copper husk. that lives inside of a <sighs> yeah that lives inside of an umbering <sighs> Hulk. <laughs> That's a fascinating premise. Let's let's drop this fucking show and drive to France and to, to nail his ass to the wall and find the fuck out. <laughs> Got it. I got it. They're mutations caused by radiation. Or no, no, no. Government built them. Big surprise for the Russians. Well, there's nothing like them in the fossil record. I'm sure. Okay. So they predate the fossil record. Well, that'd make them a couple billion years old. And we've just never seen one till now. Right. I vote for outer space. No way, these are local boys. A brief entry into gamer history. 1974, TSR headquarters, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Gary Gygax flutters into the office of collaborator Brian Bloom, adjusting his horn-rimmed glasses as he splashes into a creaky office chair and smashes a cheap plastic bag onto Brian's desk. Lube up your gaming holes, Brian, because I'm about to fuck your mind to death. Nice to see you too, Gary. Where have you been all morning? 
I've been trying to turn hexes into squares with a sextant, and I just can't seem to cut the mustard. Gary rends the plastic novelty bag open with his fangs and sprays the desk with a small platoon of small, multicolored creatures. Enough of that queerbait math nonsense. Brian, I am talking about monsters. That's great, Gary. Looks like you grabbed some random toys from the Five and Dime downtown, but the rest of us are here trying to get D&D ready to publish before the competition just floods the market in a few months. Gary dons a green velvet wizard hat and pulls a 24-inch glass bong from behind a filing cabinet. Yeah, yeah. That's what's great about you, Bri Bri. You're a details guy. <sighs> but me, I'm big picture. It's 10.15 in the morning, Gary. I don't know if marijuana is going to be conducive to achieving our medium-term goals for finalizing and packaging. Gary rips a colossal tear on the water pipe and begins hacking like Doc Holliday and pounding on the desk. The odd little monstrosities bounce helplessly. It's time to fuck these gamers, Brian. Fuck them right in their soft crown royal dice bags. I I have no idea what that even means. Gary picks up the bong like a plus two warhammer and smashes it over the top of a drafting table. Skunk water and glass crackle onto the carpet. (laughs) That's exactly the fucking point, Bri Bri. We're gonna teach them what it means to game. These simpering little pud munchers. We're gonna stretch their mind holes. And how do we do that? This is the most disorienting conversation I think I've ever... <laughs> Almost, Bri Bri. Almost. The answer is kaiju. The answer is what? Gary shifts into a Bruce Lee kung fu stance and begins sparring with invisible opponents. I said, the answer is kaiju. It's Japanese for copyright gray area miniatures. Brian picks casually through the awkward little plastic miniatures on his desk. <laughs> Take a look at that. It's a gold mine, Bri Bri. These weird little things? You want to make monsters out of these guys? They're so... This thing looks like an insurance salesman got polymorphed into Big Bird and then aborted halfway through. Gary sidles up behind Brian like a statue. A glistening shard of purple water pipe glass against his throat, ready to backstab for a significant damage bonus. Well, that little guy? That is an owl bear. And if you don't take it dead-ass seriously, just like me, it will fuck you up. Frozen, Brian delicately spins the odd piece of plastic in front of his eyes, inspecting it. Okay, Gary, whatever you say. Owl bear, got it. Just put down the glass, okay, will you, buddy? Now I need one more thing from you. I need you to have a great day. Can you do that, Bri-Bri? Can you have a great day? Satisfied, Gary drops the glass shard and begins walking out of the room. He casually snatches the remainder of Brian's bologna sandwich off the counter as he drifts into the hallway in search of another victim, adjusting his wizard hat. (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) I'll fuck anything that moves! And that is exactly how it happened. Okay, well, the Russ monster was the first monster that I ever fought. Really? I... okay. Yeah. Who was playing that? Because I don't think I was in that game. No, it was by myself, <laughs> because... Um, <laughs> I'm by myself. 
Um, how did that? How did the? How did the? Mike Dern's going to be in this episode. How did? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's oh, Trey Cool. Got, how did? How did that go? Trey Cool's going to be in this episode. Well, I got the red box. Um, that was made in 1983. If you know what we're talking, what I'm talking about. So, um, for anybody that's completely D and D phobic, is the red box was kind yeah. of a an essential starter piece of business that is. So you say the red box is a term of art in referring to Dungeons and Dragons that it was a kit that allowed you to play the game. It's it's yeah. similar or equivalent to the essentials kit that you would get in 2020 or 2021. That it's it would it, it came with some dice and some cards. A bunch cards of little and, plastic guys. Um, the full plastic dice, like OG D and D guys, will show off their red box dice. Right, because they're they're yeah. idiosyncratic and incredibly difficult to get now. Yeah, I I have a set, which is amazing. Actually, I have three of them. I think I have a D10 and the D8. Mm. And yeah, the D20. And they're yeah. very, Ooh. and if I'm not incorrect, they're very... Um, Crappy. They're a very <laughs> non-amazing set of standard yeah. red polyhedrals with white numerics on them, right? But there, there's... Yeah. If you didn't know any better, it would just look like some fucking dice, right? Um, yeah. or actually maybe is it, is it black, black numerics on them? I, but, um, yeah, when you, when you look it up, it's a very un, un ostentatious set of red dice. Um, well, my, my D eight was, um, blue and actually, yeah, I had the D six. My D six was red. My D eight was blue and my D 20 was like a gray. Oh yeah. I'm seeing this, um, where the, was the font, uh, black. Because I'm yeah. I'm seeing a set of these where there's a, a yellowish D4 and they kind of look like yeah they they they, they look uh, the quality of the plastic it, it's a it's definitely a 70s plastic as opposed to a modern resin because I'm yes. seeing um <laughs> I'm seeing these and it looks like a toddler has been chewing on them for 15 years uh and and you do you don't get that with resin resin kind of like that doesn't show its wear I really like dice that start to look like They've been, you know, up Cameron's butt for like the past year and a half <laughs> from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That kind of like, yeah. you know, having dice that wear, I actually like a lot. It's one of the things that I don't yeah. like about resin dice is unless you take a fucking hammer to it and explode it, it always looks in perfect condition. Whereas a metal, even metal dice, you will get these micro chips and dings in them from from rolling them on hard surfaces and them falling on the floor and you know uh shenanigans and you know wooden dice like we like that came in the og uh hero quest or whatever they'll get little impressions yeah. from your thumbnail or from you know you know hitting the radiator or whatever i i like that i think uh, you know although resin dice are the the fascist standard if you're into D and D and you're like, I, what do I do about having interesting dice? Like, just get dice that are not made out of fucking resin. Get a, metal is great. The sound and the weight is satisfying. Get lightweight plastic. Get wood. Get get we get shit. This weird material because it, it all feels and sounds and rolls differently. So after I got the red box, yes, sorry. <laughs> No, that's yeah. After I D and D people box, are going to click um, on this episode, so you know, like we want to talk about the D and D show. Well, let me tell. Talk about the first time I played with myself. <laughs> okay, finally, so it, it comes with um, 
um, so the box came with uh, a red book that's the player's manual. And in the player's manual is a solo adventure to play by yourself because um, I think they wanted you not to start at level one because everything in Gygaxian 83 D&D is designed to kill your character. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also and, appreciate that a lot of people, you know, prior to being able to get on Discord and find people to play with, like, you did just go like, I want to play this. And you took it home alone. Yeah. And yeah. even if you – and you wanted to do it right then. You know what I mean? Like, you're 11 or you're 15. You don't want to do it in a month. You want to do it right then. When you when you buy a thing, you want to crack it open and do it. So – being able to do it right then is a is a feature, definitely not a flaw. Well, I I cracked open the book. Actually, we had already played D and D a couple of times. There were just no fights. I see. Yeah, like we would get together and make characters, and then like talk about uh, murdering a pet store full of cats so we could be th third level <laughs> because. Cats are seven experience points. All we need to do is kill 7,000 cats. <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I only have the <laughs> most incredibly misty and foggy recollections of not understanding the fucking point of D&D. &D. Yeah, the first time we played, we ended up running outside and hitting each other with sticks. Well, that's got a point to it. I mean, you know, you, yeah. you get a stick, you hit, yeah, you hit the other guy. That's really what you did. You came, you came over to the trailer with the book, and you said, like, hey, I got this. Let's figure out how to play. Okay, so we made characters, and, like, we made them wrong, and we knew it was wrong, and you said, well, fuck this. And <laughs> we were already, like, 13. We already played Shadowrun, too. Yeah, which so, is... Like, <laughs> yeah, this, it's a very... It's very backward, because... And the... <laughs> I, it couldn't have been us because Shadowrun is a very thick game. Like, uh, perhaps the game was just written in the book was just written in such a way where it was it was pieced out in an orderly fashion, and the 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 Kriegspiel origins of D anD D was just naturally yeah. alienating from anybody that didn't already think like a twenty nine year old English professor. Yeah. It was, yeah. Shadowrun, we understood Shadowrun because it was one to six, and that's it. And, like, you, and, and, you have a, attributes and skills, and each of those are one to six. Well, and then you can roll all of those dice, and the target number is one to six. Well, okay, cool. Well, I think Shadowrun <laughs> and, and the FASA games did a good job of saying, you have to make one macro decision right now, yeah. and here is a spreadsheet that represents this macro decision based off of yeah. this overarching decision will determine what things your character will be able to do. Are they better at uh, using their skills or do they have lots of money and connections and resources? Yeah. Are they an elf or not? And I feel like every game yeah. should have some first 10 pages, um, entry point to what is the macro decision that I'm making and lay it out for me. And D&D still doesn't even do this in 5e, that if you're a 10 year old and you don't know what you're looking at, give me a two page left and right flow chart of how yeah. do I make this decision if I'm completely lost? Because at some yeah. point, everybody is completely lost because they've not played it. 
And for yeah. you know being a system that pe- that wants to pull new people in it and has succeeded, I still I think it could still be better. I think you should have a two page layout where on the left is I've never played. How do I choose? who I'm going to play, right? You you hear people yeah. saying, I'm going to play a dwarven uh, sorcerer. Uh, wh- how do you make that choice and go like, okay, I know what I'm... You, you're, it could start out as simple as, I really know what I'm doing. I want to be in the back lines and manipulate things with spells. Or I want to hit stuff. Or I kind of want some spells, but I also want to be able to hit stuff. Now you've got three options that you can break off into a flowchart, and then all of that can take you to, oh, be this class, this class, or this class. And if it's your day one, you're probably not going to be a dwarven sorcerer. You're probably going to be, you know, an orcish (laughs) barbarian or something that's not going to make you do a ton of mechanical lifting. And I think D&D 5.1 or 5.2 or 6.0 would really benefit from... I've never seen this book before. Point me at a page to help me make a decision based off of my preference, yeah. even if I don't understand what my preference is is moving toward. So anyway, yeah, that was the setting. D&D had already, like you said, alienated us. Because um, we started off uh, trying to play advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was like 15 we we were already into vampire yeah right like uh whenever whenever i successfully first played D&D was uh, we were already playing sh- like experts at shadowrun and vampire yeah and yeah. we still hadn't successfully gotten through one combat encounter in D&D <laughs> yeah it's interesting because i think in a way D&D <laughs> D&D is kind of like having a um a Victrola around when you, you yeah. grew up with a Walkman and yes. a CD player, right? Like, yeah. and you know that it works, and there's a bunch of yeah, there's a bunch some, of like media some songs laying are around only on the Victrola, it. yeah, right. But you're like, but I, I'm, only my uncle knows how to operate that, and I feel like I'm gonna break it, yeah, because it's it even in the early '90s still had so much of the old man tobacco smell and history that came from its origins in the 70s. And that was, it it was both in the mechanics and the way it operated and in the way that the art looked and in the fact that it was a game that had a lot more history and mythos and culture built up around it. Whereas... When you're a kid, you kind of want to discover something that feels like you're the first person that's discovered it. And Shadowrun or Vampire, they felt they felt current. And when you're an adolescent, feeling like this thing is now and I'm now. So that's yeah. great. This is all now. Sometimes um, pushes something in a direction that makes you latch onto it where you're not going to have that thing that you associate with, you know, an older generation. Inconceivable! So how did you, what happened to you versus you <laughs> as this this um, rust monster? How did you succeed or fail I, against yourself? Well, I it was the first time I went out to Philadelphia. Um, I, yeah, this is another... Uh, emphasis on how how late I started D anD D was um, I was already punk rock traveling like 
it oh. was the genesis of of the running away. Yeah, like um, I I was at the end of sixteen and. I met so-and-so on the internet and just went out to Philadelphia, like, screw this. And she had the D&D red box. And so I, I like, got it. I uh, cracked open the book, um, read through it, and created a cleric character. By this time, I, I pretty much knew what I was doing. Like, okay, I understand D&D and I can do this. Um... And it came with a solo adventure to start you off because, like I said, I don't think that they wanted you to just start playing with other people as level one because it's way too easy to kill like a level one character whenever <laughs> uh-huh. every door is a trap and yeah. every treasure box is a mimic. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and so there was this beginning part where you roll charisma once. To get to either get a discount on your armor or not, and I made the roll and I got a discount on my armor and that was awesome. Okay. So now my armor class was two, right? <laughs> which, according to the Thaco system, is pretty cool. Yes. Um, right. And I got um, I got a sword that did one d six damage, which is more than the one that you start off with. Okay. Um, and then I enter the dungeon and there's a sign that tells you that there's goblins to the north and, um, danger to the east. And so I went towards the danger and, um, I didn't really know what was going on, uh, even with the picture and everything, because I was at a really convenient place of forgetting what the Ross monster was. And even though I read the monster manual front to back, like, like 70 times at this point, because I had it in the bathroom, like my entire 14th year. And so, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I forgot what the Russ monster was. There's even a picture of it in the book and I attacked it. So my sword disintegrated. Right. And, then I tried to run away and failed, and it ate my armor. And then all I had left was a dagger. And um, after I ran away a bunch, I had to fight three goblins that killed me. So because you I had died no weapons in a solo or armor. adventure. Yeah, well, because I had no weapons or armor. Because I had no experience <laughs> doing this, I don't think I've ever solo gamed. How the fuck did that work? Like, um, it. It, like, did you hit yourself a, with a hammer whenever you switched over from being the DM to the player, or what was the what's the what's the way no, that the there, game gets you to play versus yourself? There is um, like an intro. The first page says, "Welcome to D anD D." Here's a little narrative uh, part called "Town Business." <laughs> okay. Um, you read all of that, and it tells you to roll charisma once. You turn the page. And it says, part two, battles. You're almost ready to enter the dungeon, but first you need to earn a little more, you need to learn a little bit more about battles. You already know how to swing at a monster. More damage, the monsters, blah, blah, blah. And then it explains combat. And then it says, part three, into the caves. And you read like a choose your own adventure uh, section one. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. I would have to be kind of a choose yeah. your own adventure where it was contingent on your decision you would then yeah. flip to the page where the content matched your decision. So is yeah, it... The, well, it's chopped up in several different sentences and paragraphs. 
where um, after after the after you read number one, it says, "Do you stop and listen, search the room, or go down the corridor?" <laughs> okay. If you stop and listen, read section forty-two. If you search the room, read section fifty-seven. <laughs> okay. Well, if you go down the corridor, read section fifty-eight. And these are all chopped up and spread across several different pages so that you can't really like skip ahead or accidentally see what you're going to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And over the course of flipping in between these uh, 17 pages, I lost my fucking sword. I lost my fucking armor <laughs> and and got killed by two goblins. Uh, and so <laughs> No, that's fantastic. And all because of the fucking rust monster. Well, and <laughs> right. And we have completely danced around the uh, essential thing about the rust monster for our um, non D and Dites is that the rust monster has perhaps mm, the most controversial essential power, which is yeah. it eats metal and it corrodes and destroys metal with its very being. So when you yeah. so when you attack it, it it destroys all of your shit. And because when yeah. you're a D&D player, uh, when you're your character, all of your shit is metal. Unless you're um, yeah. a druid or a, a monk. wizard or like a cleric. Like your, your armor, your swords, even your magical shit is going to have a, a, a metal component to it. Particularly if you're a first, second, third character. So you all start whopping all up on this thing. And then all your weapons yeah. just fucking disintegrate into dust. And... Yeah, there's a reason that in various editions that it's been nerfed and that power has been either weakened or taken away because it's it yes. it has uh, a very it has the feeling that it gave you and your very first adventure is like fuck you man that's that's that sucks like the the, the yeah. like <laughs> the the tools you gave me to play the game have been robbed for me and you think it's hilarious invisible game designer <laughs> behind the curtain right. <laughs> And it it, yeah. do, it does feel like kind of unfair, particularly where you're like, <laughs> you're like, hey, little boy, come play this weird game. And you think the rules are going to be yeah. X, Y, X, Y, and Z. And they totally, totally bankrupt your sense of what is possible being like, ha ha, fuck you, eat your metal. <laughs> and, and so it is, in a way, it's a very controversial monster because the main thing it does is ruin your ability to play the fucking game. Um, yeah, yeah. And also in a game that is about, um, treasure acquisition. You know what I mean? Like D&D has yeah, well, only a, a finite set of things that you can do that are real rewards. And well, let me tell you the the bitch about the adventure, the solo adventure. Um, I did everything wrong, which was I attacked it, so I lost my sword. Well, are you gonna, um, I and, don't know. You're gonna do a and, fucking comedy bit at it. I don't think you know. Well, yeah, you could actually. The options are talk to it, um, ignore it since it's not bothering you, or attack it. Okay. I have two guns, one for each of you. And so I attacked it, that destroys your sword, and then it gets a turn to attack you, which destroys your armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. As the adventure goes, if you stand there and let it attack you again, um, it destroys your dagger, and then the game's over, <laughs> and... And you have to go home no, and but... <laughs> cry. 
No, but listen, after it destroys your dagger, your sword, and your armor, it's like fed and it goes to sleep. And you find the treasure behind it that it was guarding, and you win. If you just stick out the shitty situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you try to run, then you run into the goblins with only a dagger. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, hmm. I guess in a way they're designing to <laughs> I don't it's hard to imagine if they have a real like a true logic for these early designs or whether it's just pure fucking whimsy <laughs> because it, it seems like a, extremely likely that that series of things is what a majority of players some something within that zone is what a majority of single players is going to do because to yeah. do to do, I'm going to ignore it, or I'm going to talk to the weird, like, flitting, like, cave bug that is guarding the yeah. treasure. Those don't seem super likely. And then when it totally wrecks my shit, I'm not going to run away. It seems like that they're kind of rooting for somebody to make the most unlikely or extreme choice, which is, yeah. um, I, it's an it's an interesting way to do it. I don't know if that is a, a positive reinforcement system that makes sense over time. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. Because, you know, like, we, we destroy it. We, we do not, we never back down is like a, a vibe in D&D <laughs> that is not exactly creating the best, um, gaming, right? Like, we never yeah. relent or we always run away. You know, going the hardest <laughs> that you can on one direction is, I don't know, probably not the best way to play the game. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. Stand and fight or run. How did you, you, you were defeated by the goblins. How was your emotional journey when you were on that part of the page and you were just like, well, I guess I don't play this anymore. What was that? Where did that take you in your um, earliest D&D &D endeavor? Well, I was kind of pissed because then it was like ruined. Because yeah, if I do yeah it exactly. Again, like I because I really, really, really wanted to do it again. Right. And but how do I um, just avoid all of that? So I came up with a system where. Um, I replaced the Rust Monster with goblins. And then mm. that didn't work. Because, like, the third option is you run out of gear because the Rust Monster ate it all and you win. So oh, okay. The, right, 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 right. <laughs> replacing the Rust Monster with just another set of goblins just defeats the goblins. And then there's no option after you defeat the Rust Monster because you can't. So then I was stuck again. Even in your first... <laughs> Your very first interaction with D and D, you decided to take the hood up and like retool yeah. how the system operated. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, it, it seems to me if you were TSR and you really wanted, if you really wanted to encourage maximum engagement, use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. That you would have, what you would do is say, you know, like, kind of like a lot of choose your own adventures is it's mostly right answers, you know, and, and 
a, gr- a gray yeah. day, a gradation oh, well, of different kinds of right answers that are going to give you a totally different flavor depending on which avenue you take. Yeah, in the in the um, in the red box's defense, you could fight the goblins first. I see. Right. Yeah. Well, but you know that you're going to go and fight something instead of the other two options, which is wander aimlessly until the rust monster and goblins. Or Rust Monster. <laughs> gotcha. So you kind of like yeah. backed into the worst combination of of, of failures yeah. in, in the wrong order. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. In, including like the third time whenever I just went and fought the goblins and then made it through the cave with one hit point left. And I read through to see what would happen with the Rust Monster and getting all of the treasure and going back to town just after, like, losing to the Rust Monster was way better than, like, finishing the game with a bunch of combat. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah, there was a certain... There certainly seemed to be a... Hmm, an arbitrary nature to outcomes in early TSR uh, designs, yeah. which I... Hmm... I almost... I kind of, I kind of want a certain amount of arbitrariness because... Reality feels arbitrary, right? Like actual experienced life doesn't does not feel, at least in my experience, that there is some like helpful, benevolent benefactor guiding me th- inexorably through each interaction and making sure that things are not <laughs> miserable. <laughs> Lots of things are both yeah. random and miserable. Dungeon Master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. And most things are either miserable or random. TSR Hobbies, Dungeons and Dragons games, products of your imagination. Um, If you aren't, (laughs) if you aren't going through the drudgery of a a regulated day-to-day life, life is pretty fucking random and or miserable. And so (laughs) some weird fucking is the life of an adventure. Yeah, I can attest. If you're just wandering around (laughs) looking for weird shit to happen. The idea that it won't be random or miserable, or both random and miserable, yeah. is uh, cuckoo bananas. You're, like, you're barking up the wrong trees. And so yeah. th- there's a way that the the ultraviolence and the mega death kind of like, that that makes sense. But also, there's some kind of epic uh, sadness to... Cracking the book open, going on a little adventure, and then being just buffeted to, into oblivion by the random <laughs> chance of of logical decisions in the wrong order. Of <laughs> like, I did yeah. this; it seemed like a good thing to do, and then oh no, yeah. and oh no, and oh no, and oh no, the goblins got me. It seems like a good way to lose some players. Yeah, <laughs> don't. I guess don't attack the thing that's not doing anything wrong. Because the the rust monster is not aggressive at first. It's just a monster. It's just ugly. (laughs) Well, I would say that in a way, Dungeons and Dragons is, is, for good or bad, it's predicating it on the, the very, it's predicating itself on the very notion is, do I need to kill this thing? <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. the and that and the the very phenomenon of the murder hobo is that you take that premise and when you you use that lens and point it toward every tavern keeper and mysterious stranger on the road 
and woodland campfire and curious child that you know you're that <laughs> your justified paranoia that treasure chests might turn into things that are cannibalistic monsters that will rip your arm off and that your comrades might secretly be changelings or doppelgangers who will murder you in the night and that wayfaring strangers yeah. might secretly be polymorph dragons or um <laughs> li- or, or lich kings or phantasmal forces of unknowable misery remember the chicken giant that we figured out um maybe jo- try to jog my memory it was recently. It was the it was the game where we got the deck of many things because mm, mm, our game mm. master was drunk. The recent chicken and, giant, um, yes, that that chicken giant, yeah. yes, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and like all of us figured it out at the same time. Like the the chicken rams things and thunder happens and it's destroyed. Well, it's a polymorph giant, right? The, <laughs> like, we all understood that and figured it out. And then we figured out, like, does anybody reverse polymorph? And James said, oh, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we did that, and the giant was so thankful that he granted us boons. And, like... Right, and and that is and that is the way that D&D encounters are designed. That is to... It, it is rewarding to have maximum suspicion for most things. And so when you're yeah. a total dick to the barkeep, your D&D is like, why are you guys being so weird? It's because most things yeah. are murderous lies. <laughs> and so when yeah. we're a dick in the tavern, like, what the fuck do you expect? The world is full of lying undead monstrosities that will rend your soul and put it into a pocket dimension at the drop of a fucking hat. And you're giving us shit for being rude and paranoid. And not to mention um, things that aren't traps can be regular ass hazards that'll do a D8 of damage and kill you. Like, like sometimes whenever you walk across the creaky floorboards, it's in the adventure, you fall through the floor and take 1d8 damage hitting the basement ground. Yeah, the, in, in <laughs> the original Gygaxian Greyhawk world. Yeah, this is, I mean, Gygax yeah, stuff. It yeah, was, it, was, <laughs> it was truly a game that was built on a foundation of schadenfreude. That the, that yeah. the, the DM and all of the other players were... Um, you know, they were Mr. Burns, uh, peeking their fingers in delight at the delectable misery of the other people around the table. And that has still not been evacuated from D&D in total, where if you make D&D about a cordial, um, improvisational, emotional arc between all of the individuals engaged around a an ongoing conquest of 
personal discovery. That's a thing that you do, that you add on to D&D <laughs> that is awesome yeah. and I recommend it and it's cool, but it's not built into the fucking game. What's built into the game <laughs> is looking for traps for an hour and a half and then taking a short rest because something the wall just turned into a pile of demons and exploded acid all over your face and are trying to crawl up your butt. That's what a normal thing yeah. in D&D is to happen. To For everybody to have an emotional <laughs> arc that is satisfying and resolves everybody's like long-term conflicts that they wrote into their fucking tragic backstory is cherries on top. That's goddamn optional. The misery and paranoia is mandatory. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it, I love that people do D&D in a way that includes all of that stuff that is um, pathos and personal journey making, but in the in the yeah. fundamental structure of the parts that you cannot get out of it, it is not as close to the center as being tormented by a monster that eats all of your shit. The the rust monster is in the the dark, wicked, vicious hole of a black heart that is Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeon Master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You can tell, um, also, it's just kind of a change of point, but, like, you can tell also who played which game first by how they run a game. I think you, I think you might be right, yeah. Uh, somebody enjoys us being maimed beyond recognition. <laughs> he doesn't like it when we die, uh -huh. but he likes it when we are so fucked that we can barely carry well, on. Well, yeah. And but, yeah. admittedly, that's a lot of fun, yeah. but it is fucking frustrating when it ha as it's happening. It's terrible <laughs> as it's happening. Well, you, I, I mean, and I will like, say you, the, go ahead. The, the terrible thing is hindsight, it is so fucking awesome. Uh, because we did make it by the skin of our <laughs> one finger left. Well, I will, I will say, I will say in defense of that perspective and our friend who really, that I know who you mean, who really refers, yeah. really leans into that perspective. I will say that that perspective, <laughs> that being, because particularly without the bloodying rules where you have stages of yeah. competence where, uh, where your character is in D and D in five E specifically, you either are totally alive or, um, yeah. or die, or basically dying or really most sincerely dead until you lose yeah. your, your hit point and go down to zero. You are mechanically completely functional. And so taking, yeah, taking you down weird, to the yeah. brink is an essential, um, it's an essential gameplay aspect, both mechanically and narratively. And also it is the thing yeah. that creates heroic situations. You know what I mean? With the, the, the character that can barely reach out for the grenade, the character that can barely, you know, drag themselves through the closing, yeah. the closing door. That, that yeah, is, yeah. I, I appreciate that that is what is heroic and D and D under certain circumstances really does set those situations up. So it heroism is great. It's great to barely survive by the, the quote unquote yeah. skin of your teeth. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a, it is a well, vicious I, way to well, play. I would say that, yeah, that, that, that's evidence of like uh, Gygaxian D and D being your first game as opposed to how I run games, which is 
If you have a really good plan and something interesting that has surprised me and do not lose, um, like, less than half of the die rolls, uh, then you will win with no problem. <laughs> right. Well, I think you're – yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a dance that has to happen there because you have to have – I know. Well, I, I try to make it – I try to put as many plot points in story – you know, story elements into it, like encounters and everything yeah. into it to fill up the game. Yeah. It's not that you just win. It's that it's that the two or three die rolls that happen during a really good planned shadow run are really fucking. Yeah, tense. I, I agree because and, I think it is. I think yeah. it is totally essential that if that there should be cases, regardless of what system it is, if it's a, if it's a goal based system where. We're we're pulling off the heist. We're fighting the dragon, or whatever it yeah. is. That if you combine a really crucially smart out of the box idea that makes sense w- with a series yeah. of extremely competent die rolls, give the characters what they earn. Yeah, because that's not always going to be the case. Sometimes they might have a great idea and roll like shit. Sometimes they might roll great and the idea will be mediocre. And I think all of those permutations yeah. should be reflected. Yeah, I just I've I've tried to run games in different ways, and I cannot. Like, yeah, you're a you're a, you're a softy, but I don't know I don't know if it's a net negative. I don't know if it's a oh, net. A I don't know if it's a net softy. negative. I, it, I can't I can't say. Yeah, that it's bad. I mean I am hardcore pro great plan. And if you honestly, if you come up with something that impresses me with your plan, I'll like let you get away with half of the stuff like oh okay that's a great idea and let me tell you what that does blah 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 blah, blah, blah. here's half of the exposition blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no for sure um all right well i think we we've cudgeled we've cudgeled this weird little insectoid thing pretty hard <laughs> we've cudgeled this insectoid to death with our well, we should probably off. give at least a glancing <laughs> thought to the um statistics of this monster for oh, D yeah. people, I have all kinds of notes that I didn't even look at at all. Um, <laughs> it is uh, so. It yeah, is, uh, uh, it is for those of us who are D and D horny. It is uh, technically <laughs> listed as a monstrosity. Is its monster type? Yeah, it has no alignment. It is basically an animal. In five e, yeah. it has a one half challenge rating. It has dark vision. It is a nighttime cycle. It is a metalivore. Yeah. So it only eats metal <laughs> things. I would call it a ferivore. What is a what is a ferivore indicate? Fair, fair, like ferrous metals. Oh, ferrous. okay, 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 okay. Ferivore. Okay. I don't. I, that's just what I would. Okay. say. Okay. Um, it is. Yeah the the diet uh, is metal based on bacteria that lives in its antenna. I don't know when they came up with that, but that's what. Okay. It is. Um, and I will. I will yeah. also say. Um, that the must the the rust monster were favored by Mulhorandi, god Geb, the dwarven god Abathor, the gnomish god Flandal yeah. Steelskin, and the Dirger dwarf gods Leduger and Deep Dara. And the quote, <laughs> oh, you gotta love those Dirger dwarf gods. Yeah, my pronunciation on all of that is perfect. Um, and, it is. And, Durger, Durger, Durger is how you say uh, yes. it. Yes, and the and, if you're American, and, and the, then the quote 
related to them is destroyed me hammer and me axe it did put me faith to the test that day it did was from Braun Thunderstorm Braun Thunderstones Dwarf Paladin of Dumathoin because we had to hit all of the on the nose dwarven cliches in one brief run. Yeah, I think I did read that somewhere um, actually. Um the um armor class is 14, it's got 27 hit points and its speed here's the thing is 40 feet when most things 30. Yeah. So if you're trying to run away from it, it'll catch up and eat your <laughs> shit. Truly an it's not a top 3 in terms of like iconography, you know, maybe like goblin and dragon and yeah. you know lich or something, but it is Oh yeah, it is, dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit literally <laughs> emblematic of the game. Literally yeah, yeah, fucking dragon. titular. <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, cause you don't go for the dragon because, well, the thing is you don't always encounter a dragon. It's a, it's a way that in which the yeah, goblins are so much more emblematic because they're de rigueur. They are required. There will yeah. be goblins, <laughs> whether you like it or not, because your DM in well, session also, 19 is going to forget anybody, what to do and they're going to throw 79 goblins on you. Yeah. Anybody that knows what they're doing is not going to have a dragon in their game. <laughs> Well, the, you know, you, it's really like adding a dragon is really time, really like, you know, coming home for dinner and saying like, okay, it's time to fuck. But the, and, and because yeah. it's really throwing down in some cases, the, the, the gauntlet literally of, of, yeah. okay, now it's time to do the thing. So if you're going to drop in a, yeah. a a dragon, you can't do it casually. It's got to be what the whole business is about. Yeah. Or it is an, an element that is mostly yeah. um, narrative and pulling emphasis towards something else or away from something. I'd like to be taking a dinner first before I get spit roasted by a dragon. <laughs> by two dragons. If I had a nickel for every time I was spit roasted by two dragons. The Rust Monster, not to be confused with Monster Rust, the customized car YouTube channel. And there's a band Good called Rust that. Monster. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah. Yes, there's a band, I think they're from Utah, called Rust Monster, who self-describe themselves as original pirate music in the key of funk. <laughs> and I saw a, a live show that they did. They're kind of like a jazz ensemble, like big band type thing. And the the live show that they had had a Lawrence Welk impersonator as like the MC. Okay. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. It was pretty funny. This is a stick up. Anybody moves, and the dead mate. Um, there's some, there's some, like, anime-style, like, cute girl Rust Monster images, like, we, like, oh, Weebo Rust is. Monster hot chicks, so, um, yeah. I'm sorry that the one listener who's now into that, uh, yeah. you have only yourself that, to blame. like, Rule 34A, uh, or, like, it's, 34 it's subclause six. of 34 is, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's, there's porn for every rust monster. Fucking... Um, yeah, there's. <laughs> so, um, given that Bullshit. today, <laughs> given that uh, today is a Gavin episode, it helps me remind myself to ask the question. 
Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? Is the rust monster bitchin' van art? I, nah, yes? Yes. Really? You're gonna say no, I'm gonna say fucking yes, because if you are, okay, I would say it's bitchin' van art in the year 2000. (laughs) In the year 2000? Go ahead. First of all, you got a bitchin' van, uh-huh. and then your bitchin' van art is something from 77 that mm. is only recognizable by somebody who would have bitchin' van art in the year 2000. Okay. A D&D nerd who finally got his bitchin' van. And so, it is bitchin' van art, but only 20 years ago. 22 now! Oh, God! Um, okay, I'm just realizing now, staring at this weird Twitter image by Max Gibson, that is that this like hot chick rust monster is wearing a motorhead t-shirt. And now I'm, it's kind of winning me over now. Um, no, I mean, don't, let it, I mean, don't I'm not let that bullshit get you. It's, yeah. It's, it looks like a, it looks like a, ah. uh, somebody put a spell on a crab. Uh, I'm still going to say, no, I'm still going to say there's, there's no way the, the rust monster is just a weird, awkward, like giant bug. I just, and I'm pro giant bugs. I'm, I'm a bug friend, but I doesn't, it does not. It just doesn't give me bitching under any circumstance. I cannot. I cannot. Huh. So we're disagrees. Yep. So we're. So disagrees. this is another one where we actually have contrary wise opinions. We need a button for that too. We need a well, or something. Fuck. Oh, I got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to our last segment. That I don't know. I don't know about that. No. That's no good. Well, I'll tell you, nobody handles garbage better than we do. It is not the highest quality image, this image. The segment on the show where we describe all the fucking goblins. It really creates a vibe following um that weird Nick Cave. Yeah! <laughs> that weird Nick Cave, Nick Cave, Nick Cage um, image that we used last week. Um, so, uh, this is not exotic this image what am i looking at here for today's uh today's describing gavin i have no idea <laughs> but you you got it she is that oh that's aubrey <laughs> yeah that is actually aubrey plaza's oh, right. twitter photo um yeah at, all at, right i know okay. <laughs> at evil hag um it is that's her tw- that's her twitter profile i presume it's from some kind of production i don't really care to find out you know um I know exactly what it's from. Oh? It's a bad acting on purpose movie. Okay. And it has the guy from all of the comedies from like Hot Dub Time Machine. He's the big black guy. Daryl, um, who was played by... I saw him one time. This I can't. I gotta stop bringing it. He was at the Gers- Gersh Agency for a meeting one time. He's really funny. But the, the name of the movie is something like How I Know Beverly Dear Lamour or something like that. Okay, yeah. Or My Great Night with Beverly Harbinoff. Yeah, the real dude is Craig Philip Robinson, I should say. And he's, yeah, uh, Craig Robinson, that's <laughs> yeah, right. he's very funny. And the movie is My Starn Harbin with Beverly Conharbinoff. <laughs> yep. Nailed it in one. How would you describe the overall tenor of this? Like, what is the face she's making at us in this in her um, very popular Twitter profile photo? Well, um, I gotta say that's... A classic Aubrey Plaza face, uh-huh. which is really the, she's kind of the only person that can make it. <laughs> On a scale of, which um, is, 
you know I'm joking and I'm trying to make um, acting an art form, but I don't know how to do it and I've gotten by on this type of charm so far. <laughs> Is exactly what that look is. <laughs> She's dialing up her one of her own main vibes, which is like um, yeah. manic intensity directed at the camera. Um, yeah. And she's got a wig that's kind of uh, to say off kilter would be pretty generous. It kind of looks like it's been um, oriented by an axe recently. She's got sequins as big as my eyes on her dress. She's got a a, a, per, a, a pearl <laughs> necklace that's been. Um, lashed around her like Wonder Woman's uh, lasso of truth. It's, it's, a, it's just a lot going on. She just looks like she's exploded out of a, a much more dangerous movie. And also, her um, her lipstick looks like it's been applied with a I don't know, like a torch. It's there's there's a lot there's a lot yeah. going on. She's doing. Um, it is a dangerous movie. It's an evening with Beverly Loughlin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's a um, bipolar pixie dream girl thing going on here. Kind of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> border, borderline yeah. personality porn thing <laughs> that is that is uh, running running up and down the lane. Aubrey Plaza zaps all my fucking puns, and so I got no pun for I would it. say, in terms of, like, um, hot lady goblin... <laughs> it's so hard to say now. Hot lady goblin... Hot lady goblin Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza, Plaza. It's very... Um, a lady goblin. Hot lady goblin. It's Aubrey not very Plaza. hot lady. She's, re she's really no, going out of her it's way. It's not very goblin. Well I, well, I think it's goblin in the sense that it is, um, it's manic as fuck and very off kilter. Yeah, it's manic. Yeah. But it's if not. She was, if, if she was old, holding up a half eaten goose leg, we'd be, we'd be off to the races. But she's just kind of coming at us just mentally. Um, you need a little bit more than unhinged. You need to be, you need it active, I think, for a, a real, real goblin I don't vibe. Know. No? This is why I can't. This is why I can't do because <laughs> what I would say to her is, no, it's safe to tell me how you really feel. Aubrey. You don't have to pull this shtick with me. Damn it! Yeah, I know what you're doing, and it is safe to tell me anything. <laughs> well, there we have it. Now that that's resolved, let's end the goddamn show. Hot Lady Goblin Aubrey Plaza. Uh, uh, it's uh. Wanna wanna know your secrets? The segment on the show where we describe all the fucking goblins. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that really does help. Some point in time, I'll be back on Twitch, but there's a hiatus currently. Stay tuned for the results of our um, John Delancey as Q, the 9-inch, 8-inch, 8-inch action figure raffle that will be coming up shortly. Um, share an episode on your favorite social media and hit us up on Instagram for the images that go along with each episode. Comment on the Instagram with the monsters that you want us to talk about and examine 
and crunch time. Email your suggestions and gaming stories and D&D Redbox uh, choices that you made with that solo adventure to oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm serious. I want to hear those. Yes. Tell us your terrible, um, uh, fateful red box and, uh, rust monster tragedies. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one shot contribution at paypal.me slash oops, all monsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oops, all monsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Hot Lady Goblin uh, Gavin. <laughs> and we have been Oops All. Oops All Monsters. Rust Monsters. Rust Monsters. We're Rusty. Rust Monsters. Okay. I'm all rusty. I'm rusty! Okay. Stopping the recording. I'm rusty! This is episode 362. Coming at ya. <laughs>